Welcome to the River Rain Show. I'm your host, Catherine Allen, clairvoyant medium and astrologer. Tonight, we will share great music, movie clips, short stories, or quotes, all on our theme of this week. So grab yourself a tea, get yourself comfy and warm, sit back and be soothed by the music, the inspiration, and the introspection. Welcome to the River Rain Show. Born before the wind, also younger than the sun. Yeah, the bonny boat was one as we sail into the mystic. Oh, I can hear the sailors cry. Smell the sea and feel the sky Let your soul and spirit fly into the mystic And where that foghorn blows I will be coming home Yeah, when the foghorn blows, I wanna hear it. I don't have the fear that I wanna rock your gypsy soul. Just like way back in the days of old, 
Good evening. Welcome to the Riverine Show, and I apologize that uh, the show is starting late today, but I am, after all, human, and I was responding to the intense energy of this eclipse that we had on the 10th, and then the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that I talked about um, in Capricorn on the 12th, and on top of that, as we all know, the world news has been going crazy with some pretty upsetting things. Um, you know, so a lot of us, our hearts are still bleeding for those poor animals in Australia and people's lives and just global warming and the fear of the planet. Fear for the planet. It's pretty, hi it's pretty high. Higher than... Um, I don't know, maybe it's more heightened because of the holidays, but it's also heightened when we when we see the extent of these fires and damage. There's whoops, sorry, there's also where earthquakes in South America. People are still not back in their homes. We had um the drone strike of the general in Iran. We have uprisings in Iran, we have a plane that was shot down, and we have backlash and grief about about the shooting down of a plane and all the people that were lost. So we've had quite a week, haven't we, folks? I mean, we can talk about planets. Basically, they, they're they symbolic of, you know, maybe indicative of something like this that was going to happen. But um, all this to say, on top of, you know, world news and whatever personal things it brought up, for you or for me, um, most people I'm talking to 
felt the intensity, the heaviness of these last few days. And a lot of people that I know are healers or working on their healing. So I'm hearing a lot of people feeling very tired, um, very achy, like physical symptoms have come back up to the fore. Um, more emotional, more spaced out, all kinds of things. Um, so if you are also feeling this way tonight, just know this is pretty normal. And uh, one good thing about this is to realize that a lot of these things are bigger than us. We are part of a collective planet and we feel things on some level. Whether you feel it acutely or it's in the background, it's still there. When, um, when there's an overall rise in any kind of displacement of people or animals and um, when there is an overall feeling of instability or uncertainty, anxiety is on the high. And we've seen how much anxiety is just rising and rising and rising. And it's, I'm going to pretty much call it an epidemic at this point in our society. And it's definitely something that I have noticed on the increase during my career as um, giving readings. Because, of course, people come to a medium when they are feeling very insecure and anxious about life and usually they want to have affirmation about what's going on and decisions about the future or if I can tap into something coming or around them so that they can get back a sense of center, good decision making, um, you know, coaching around how to, how to guide their life choices or relationships but a lot of it really, you know, mediums see a lot of people who are in an anxious state because anxiety is related to fear of the future and wanting to control outcomes. And so I deal all the time with anxiety um, and always have. And I do feel and see that the level and intensity of it has risen and risen and risen. I've been doing this work now for 25 years and I'd say there's proportionally more and more and more people that are that are at a higher level of anxiety than I've ever seen to the point where a lot of people find it hard to even hear anything that you're saying. I think a lot of us are like that. How many of you sit there and say, you know, you listen to something and then as soon as the as soon as it's turned off, you're like, you, I forgot what that was all about. Or you sit there chat, chatting with somebody, and the second you turn around, you're like, oh my god, I can't remember what her name was. Um, anxiety affects our memory. High anxiety affects your memory. So we're definitely seeing that when we're seeing shorter and shorter attention span. Even if you know that you're capable of going more deeply or concentrating on things or spending time seems to be getting harder for everybody. And I don't, I don't blame anyone personally for any of it. I think we're living in a world where we're, we're bombarded with so much so often and we're supposed to be on, right? In control on top of things, happy about it, bounce, bounce along. We're supposed to be chipper and 
have everything under control and everything is, we've chosen it. Well, that's just not how it rolls. That's not what's going on. Some of us can have, you know, times like that or areas of life that are like that, but um, it's to me just another way that people are coping with anxiety is and a fear of uh, loss of control over where the world is going. Not that we ever had it, but maybe we had an illusion of security that now now it's being stripped away to the point we know that where it's pretty much in our faces this that it is an illusion of security. So now what do we do? Now what do we base our lives on? Now what's important? And so it, it puts a lot of pressure on, on all of us, doesn't it, to, to look at um, who we give our time to, what areas we feel the best in, what interests do we really want to pursue, where do you really want to put your energy the most. If things are going to not be secure, what's really important? Who am I? Where do I, you know, where is this all coming from? And this is high anxiety stuff too, identity crisis and major life choices and trying to think, you know, strategically. And so there's a lot of anxiety in the planet. And if you're feeling anxious or you've dealt with anxiety disorder, even, you know, where maybe you're actually having full on panic attacks or maybe you can't function sometimes. But as a general level, I think generally most people are walking around with more anxiety than we've ever known and um, there's other reasons and other things that impact it as well than, than us just not, you know, eating right or sleeping enough or doing enough yoga. Those are all things to help cope and counteract. But there's other things that are bigger than us that are also accumulating anxiety. So I, I'm starting this uh, show and letting you know that this is going to be a series and that I intend to help um, remedy and talk about uh, and bring coping mechanisms and, um, you know, hopefully interview other people who have good life skills about anxiety so that we, we can really start to tackle it in our daily lives. If you're out here listening to me, um, maybe you're called to be one of those people who's going to learn to cope with your anxiety better so that you can also be a calming voice in the planet and a calming energy uh, while still learning how to respect your own limits and, and boundaries with your own energy. And um, I think this week we've seen a heightened state of anxiety with planetary movement and the news that accompanies it. And I'm sure there's been something in your personal life where the light bulbs have been flashed on or the alarm bells or something is telling you what you need to now work on, uh, what you need to do going forward, or you have a glimpse. Most people I'm, I'm talking to had something. So tonight, I really hope that you stick with me and we're going to talk about some of these uh, causes because there's multiple causes of anxiety and um, and some coping tools. And, you know, I'll have some recordings from uh, that I took from TED Talks or from different people on YouTube on the subject. And um, all the music tonight is going to be very chill, which I hope will also help you process 
whatever you're feeling tonight as you're listening. So stick with us. So before I start, I also want to just say a couple of things, announcements like usual. And um, because it's just the beginning of the year still, uh, to me, the 2020 hasn't really kicked in yet. People are still in a funk. So I don't really get this feeling of people being back online and back at work and all that stuff yet. So um, I, I just haven't been compelled to start some of my projects this year quite yet, but I will be uh, definitely doing more book signings. And um, if you are interested to have me come and talk uh, and do a book launch or a workshop on intuition or circles um, and I can make it to your city, then please let me know. I would love that. Um, I'm going to be focusing on my own area, downtown Montreal and um, <clears throat> probably Ottawa and um, Ontario. But I'm open to other places if there's a desire. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to be offering intuition circles. So I have a couple of those coming up. One of them is online this Thursday. Uh, sorry, no, the 21st. Thursday, the 21st. No, I'm mixing my days again. Sorry. The 16th. Yes, this week. Thursday, 1 till 3 p.m. Eastern time zone is an intuition circle that's online. So wherever you are in the world, I made it in the afternoon so that it, it's hopefully accessible to people in different time zones if you want to come. Um, otherwise, I have a live intuition circle Tuesday, the... Will Tuesday be the... Tuesday's probably... Yeah, the 21st. Um, that will be in the Montreal area, in my area. So that is... 7 till 9.30 p.m. Uh, in the Montreal West Island. But I'm going to be offering more of these. And if you want to come and start to calm your nervous system a little bit with me, I'm going to start to offer what I'm calling Meditation Hall. That is uh, the Sunday the 19th in Montreal. It's going to be four hours of silent, sacred space. And you can come and meditate or sit feel the silence it sounds simple but it's actually not simple we're all used to talking we're all used to bantering we're all used to going you know oh is it okay if i or we're all used to just um certain rhythms that we follow that in silence disappear and Sometimes it's it's a nice relief to have the silence. Very few of us probably spend time where we're silent with other people. And for me, this is one of the greatest experiences of, of a silent uh, meditation retreat is that when you don't use speech, what are you feeling in communion with other people? And this is how you'll get in touch with your intuition, uh, with your emotional body feelings, with another level than just the mind. Because anxiety is also caused from being completely in your head. If you are in your body, meaning, you know, you feel grounded, you feel like you're in your, you're in your, your body, you can feel your heart beating, you're, you're aware of your feet, your back. Um, 
the more you're in your body, the less you're in your head. When you're in your head, you can ignore things, including your physical pain, and you just your mind is whirling, and all you're thinking about is worrying or what you need to do next, and you're ignoring your emotions and you're ignoring your body signals. That's just how anxiety works. It's not uh, to judge anybody. That's just what happens. So part of the silent meditation hall is so that you have a chance to calm your mind and you don't have to talk. And there's not this pressure to perform or come up with something funny to say or whatever we do. And you sit there and you feel yourself and you feel others and you see how what that brings up. And I, I make it a four-hour thing so that you could drop in for 20 minutes and if it's uncomfortable well you tried and you can come back again later or if you really feel that this is soothing your soul you can come meditate for three hours if you want so that is in the montreal west island it's at my little center that's sunday the 19th so it's coming up from one until five if ever you want to ask me questions or you want to participate in anything you can reach me at my Email river.rain.info at gmail or reach me on Facebook, Clairvoyant Medium, Catherine Allen on Facebook. So I wanted to pick a song for the week, as I often do. And um, we're going to go back to this one that I love. I've played it before. <laughs> I can't help it. I, there's something about this song that really gets me. And um, I've been in that mood yet again this week. So this is Beck with Everybody's Gotta Learn Sometimes. Change your heart Look around you Change your heart It will astound you And I need your love Like the sunshine And everybody's gonna learn sometime Everybody's gonna learn sometime Everybody's gonna learn sometime I 
That was back. Everybody's got to learn sometime. So, what did you learn this week? Beginning of the year, this kickoff, this intensity. What do you feel you learned? What do you feel you're going to work on this year? Hopefully, one of those things will be to conquer whatever anxiety you recognize in your life. Because it has a huge toll on our well-being, our physical, mental well-being, our social well-being. And because we're not likely to see our world suddenly get all stabilized and fine again, and I'm not trying to be cynical and being realistic, there's a lot of there's a lot of change still in the works. And there's a lot of people moving around. And um, I, I don't think we're going to see the stopping of that. I think we're in, a, we're in an era where more people are going to be um, perhaps more, well, hopefully not displaced too much, but it is realistic to think that. Um, but also... People are just awakening as well, and they want more out of life, and they want to align with the places and people and work that fits their passion, that fits their purpose. So there is that, and the good side of it. On the hard side of it, you have people that are very steeped in an older, an old world model of security and um, and duty that, well duty's not a bad thing, I don't mean that, but where they sort of will perhaps let themselves suffer or sacrifice for the sake of security, and if you, if you don't have stuff to, that is secure, then you have to ask yourself, what are you sacrificing for? And I think a lot of younger generations that were not, you know, that came that were born when there wasn't going to be this security blanket for having a university degree, let's say, or uh, the ability to buy a house. Lots of things that are much harder now than they were. Um, Their values have shifted. Where they place their energy has shifted compared to different generations. So where it's going to be tough is for people that are very rooted in in the model of security to let go and to be happier. But there's going to be also many people um, ready to adapt and go more towards their passion and their purpose. And um, But all this to say, I don't think that we're in a period of time where things are not going to change uh, faster and faster. I think they are. I think that they're going to keep changing faster and faster. <clears throat> Yes, Kitty wants to be on my lap, so here you go, buddy. Um, And so how are we going to all cope with the anxiety of change that's that's around us? Even if you're good with yourself, let's say, (laughs) you're still going to be feeling it collectively from people around you, from your loved ones. And even if, let's say, in an ideal world that your your friends and family are pretty okay, you're still going to be feeling it globally. So let's take a look at, you know, how we're going to really 
deep dive and cope with this uncertainty and anxiety and and what things we can do because there's multiple levels of things that we can do and there's multiple levels of reasons why we have these anxious patterns you know all the way from like I said a maybe a highly empathic person who who feels like their nervous system and their immune system is weakened by all of this stress and now they can't cope with anybody or anything they're irritable you know that that's one scenario um, other people it's gonna go all the way to um, a disorder you know something where you need medication something where you're having panic attacks and can't function and uh, anywhere in between so I really want to help help you this year and bring in some experts whether they're online or whether they're I'm gonna find them to interview them and I um, and really talk about how we can reframe our lives in the world expectations of ourselves and others and of life perhaps how do we become more more adaptable what mindset what things can help us in the face of growing anxiety and of course a lot of it will be starting with our own personal healing and our own personal uh, self-care let's talk about some symptoms of anxiety now <clears throat> so we'll break it down into different areas there's physical there's psychological and there's behavioral I would also add there's probably spiritual symptoms too of, of anxiety so first symptoms let's take a look at the um, physical okay because we all we all get these uh, sometimes we all get these if we're in a you know a scenario that sort of uh, makes sense for us to be anxious like let's say you know it's the first day on a new job it's a first date um, you know you've you've made a commitment here it is I'm stepping up oh my god look at me I'm gonna do this um, you know scenarios where you were surprised things happening around you that you didn't count on anything could be a temporary um, anxious scenario that is sort of normal like for human life even though like we're talking about living at a time when there's more anxiety than than perhaps there was but these are all just common symptoms you could have just just fleeting with just with normal life circumstances of, of change so physical um, ask yourself how many of these you have okay and to what severity you have them maybe you even want to write it down with 10 being the highest and you know zero being not much for the intensity and same thing with 10 being often like every day daily and zero being you know many people have zero but zero being never or let, let's say one or two would be um, you know occasionally let's just um, make a little chart of how often you get any of these symptoms so you can sort of see where on the spectrum of anxiety you might be so the physical symptoms if you write down physical and then write um, occasion like uh, frequency sorry frequency would be the column 
and then severity would be the other column, okay? So first one would be your heart pounding. Just write down how often that happens and how severe does it become. Give yourself a number for each column. Flushing, so it's when like your face will just go all red. Write down your numbers. Shortness of breath, so difficulty breathing. Write down the frequency and the severity number. Dizziness. Sweating. Write down your numbers, frequency and severity, scale of one to 10. Headaches. Dry mouth. Stomach pains. Write down frequency, one to 10, severity, one to 10. Nausea. Diarrhea. Muscle aches and pains. Restlessness, writing down frequency and then severity. And general inability to relax. These are based on a Mental Health First Aid USA is where I'm getting this list from. This is a pretty comprehensive list of, of uh, physical symptoms for anxiety. Now I want you to write down psychological and do the same thing. I have a column for frequency, 10 being, you know, every day, constant, and zero being never, and severity, with 10 being, um, you know, panic attack level, um, and with zero being doesn't happen not my symptom. So I'm going to read the list of psychological symptoms now. So here we go. Make your list. Excessive worry. Irritability. Frequency and severity. Impatience. Feeling on edge, frequency and severity, vivid dreams, that's an interesting one, a lot of people wouldn't make that correlation, so write that down, how often do you have vivid dreams, frequency and severity, your mind racing, Racing thoughts. Or your mind going blank. Blanking out is another anxiety thing. 
indecisiveness how often are you indecisive and how severe does it get and severity can you can think about what am I indecisive about I can't decide even what what I want to eat for dinner if that's a panic attack level not knowing what you want to watch on TV not knowing if you want to go home or or not like when you're basic basic decision making about functions like that is difficult then it's high right difficulty concentrating frequency and severity and decreased memory think of how often you can't remember stuff quickly like we mentioned at the beginning of the show so frequency and severity all right the next symptoms are behavioral symptoms of anxiety so we can write down behavioral and make your columns again for frequency and severity so some of these once you listen once you hear this list you're going to know get into a bit of you know diagnosis but don't worry about diagnosing yourself right now if this list makes you worried you know try to talk to somebody calm um, and you know bring yourself down to a calmer level before you start thinking oh no I have that I must be because part of anxiety is going to be diagnosing yourself with the worst case possible thing so the behavioral ones just ask yourself if you feel this is a fit and how often and how severe so the first one is obsessive or compulsive behavior so if you can recognize that you have any obsessive or compulsive behavior then you write down the frequency and how severe does that get but we're not diagnosing anyone here with OCD. We can all get these kind of behaviors when we're stressed out temporarily without it being a condition, without it being diagnosis. The next one is phobias, phobic behavior. So are there things you strongly avoid to the, you know, that you're afraid of that you completely avoid? That's a phobia. Think about how often, how frequent, how severe. The next one is avoidance of situations. So this one can be hard to admit to yourself, but it is, an, it is a symptom of, of anxiety to avoid situations. So you might avoid certain people like the plague. You might be avoiding uh, crowds. You might be avoiding uh, going, to, going past a certain building something that provokes some stress um, now if there's been some sort of trauma and you're avoiding situations then there's good reasons why you know this is post-traumatic stress um, but just general anxiety if you've noticed that you're avoiding situations so write down frequency and the severity And the last one on their list is distress in social situations, social anxiety. 
How often do you feel uncomfortable and anxious in social situations? And write down how often you think you're responding with that and how severe does it get? I'm going to add my own to this list and spiritual. If you write down spiritual symptoms of anxiety. And I would say one of those would be um, fear of a lack of purpose. So how often are you spending time feeling very worried that you don't have a purpose or know what your purpose is here on earth or that you're not fulfilling some sort of purpose on earth that would be to me a spiritual anxiety so write down your severity and frequency And the last one for spiritual, I would say that I that I have noticed it would be um, feeling that you don't belong on the planet, feeling like you want to leave this planet, or that you don't fit in this planet, or that you don't fit anywhere. To me, I'd put that in the spiritual because there's so many people. Who tell me this um, that they feel home is somewhere else and it's not earth and that's an extremely stressful and anxious spiritual condition to have to me um, and it could it could up fall under some other things too but I'm gonna call it a spiritual anxiety and if I think of more spiritual anxiety column uh, things I'll bring them up in future shows or do a show just on that so I want you to take a moment, I'm going to play some calm music, I want you to take a moment to add up your columns and numbers and see how high are some of these numbers, alright? And um, don't be alarmed if it's high, because I'm sure a lot of people right now have very high numbers on this, so just know that whatever you're feeling, you are definitely not alone. You're definitely not alone with it. And that's part of why I'm doing these shows is to hopefully make you feel that you're not crazy and you're not alone with whatever's going on so that you can move on from thinking, oh no, I'm crazy. And you can start to solve and you can start to share and find the right people to tell. So we're just going to listen to some nice music as you take a look at your numbers, take a look at what things seem to be the highest anxiety provoking things for you. Okay.
chance with uh, some calming music to think about what areas of your life you personally find your your anxiety shows up the most. Now, it's really important to me as we do a show like this that you're not judging yourself for these things. That judging yourself is not going to get you anywhere. And uh, I'm partly talking to myself here too because... We all have a tendency, don't we, to, to judge ourselves and say, oh, why did I do this? Or, yeah, I'm really, I'm too impatient. Or, yeah, I really should have taken care of X, Y, or Z earlier so I wasn't, didn't let myself get so anxious or stressed. We all, we all are hard on ourselves. This is part of what we're going to work on counteracting to help with anxiety. A lot of it's going to be self-acceptance accepting where where we're at accepting our process is going to be a big part of quelling anxiety 
So for now, as you look at your list, try not to get too worried if it's high or if you notice something that's really standing out. Try right now instead to be courageous and take a look at this list and go, okay, there's a good reason why I'm acting like that. What's the deeper reason why? You probably have an idea. And if you don't, try to trust your gut over the next few days to show you. There's always a deeper reason why you're reacting anxiously or fearfully. Now, once we get to some of those core issues, and it can take work and it can take some help from, from a counselor, a psychologist, a coach, anybody, somebody that can help you to get to the root of what is provoking this particular anxiety trait. Then you will find as you get closer to what those real reasons are, now you now suddenly the world opens up and you you, you can find tools for a very specific thing instead of calming the symptoms. A lot of the time with anxiety, we're so wound up and so much in our heads that we're susceptible to reading everything and watching everything and being told 50 different people's opinions on things and it tends to make it worse, not better. And sometimes it's, you you know that what you're describing isn't being quite understood, but you don't have the words, or you're not coming across with the, you know, the presence uh, or the clarity about what's going on with you. So people don't really, most people don't really know how to read beyond the surface of anxiety and, f- and see what's going on at a deeper level to help. So you have to pick people that are calm and safe to talk to and calm yourself and get a a better sense of, okay, let's say impatience is one of your really high ones, okay, from that list. Let's say every day you're impatient, you can't stand it, you have road rage, you can't stand being in lineups. So if you take that on a surface level, a lot of people can relate, they don't like to be in lines either, they're impatient. But maybe if we dig a little bit how much this is happening, is it every time you're in a line? Okay. So what is it about waiting in line? It's more than just annoying. There's something deeper there. You know where I'm going? This is the way we look at it. So maybe if you can't stand waiting in line, maybe you feel like, when is it my turn? Why am I always waiting? things. Maybe there's other things you feel you're waiting for that have nothing to do with the groceries or the gas station. Maybe you feel like, why am I always waiting in line for love? Why am I always last at work? Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting to the emotional layer beyond the mind, beyond the worries, beyond the you know, he said this and she said that and 
they cut me off and that's not fair and then and then the government should do something about it. That's all in our heads. That's all in like not like we're making it up, but I mean that's all anxiety and thoughts swirling and it doesn't get to the root of anything and it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't take away the anxiety. But if you can look at yourself and say, oh yeah, shit, I always feel like I'm waiting. I hate waiting. Waiting in line reminds me that I'm always waiting for other things that I wish I could do. For people to uh, see my work and promote me, maybe. For, for the money to come that I've been wanting so I can do this or that. Now you can take a look at, oh, what's the deeper thing that I'm waiting for that's bugging me? And look at yourself. Why am I waiting? Do I have to wait? What am I hanging on to? With this waiting pattern that's making me feel impatient in every in every car, um, every traffic light. Something's building up inside that wants to catch your attention. And instead, when we don't look at life from this layer, we just stay. We just get more wound and wound and wound up tight and bitter that the world isn't giving us what we want or doesn't function the way we wish it would. So when you can go deeper on the one that, that you identified as being one of your high ones, you bring things to a more, you know, a more grounded, emotional, um, more visceral, more physical, a more real kind of layer. And if you communicate that from that place, so let's say it's the lineup thing, road rage, you're in the car, you're road raging and your partner or your friends are in the car going, geez, dude, like calm down, what, where is this coming from? And if you don't know that you're coming from a deeper place, you'll just be like, oh, you cut me off, wow, you know, people shouldn't drive like that. And you'll just escalate it and escalate it for everyone, including yourself. But in that moment, if you can go laugh at yourself even, go, oh, Jesus, I did it again, didn't I? Wow, that was a big overreaction. <laughs> okay, now you can diffuse the anxiety. People can laugh. You recognized, woo, that was off balance, wasn't it? Or if you go to a deeper lair and you're in that car and you're road raging and you catch yourself, you can say, you know what? Uh, I'm really sorry I reacted that way but I'm just so frustrated right now that I'm not getting to do what I want to do in my life that it's coming out here in the car that's pretty honest isn't it now that allows conversation to have some intimacy maybe not while you're driving you know what I'm saying but that opens the door now that, that just opened your heart chakra to say that and now you can communicate something real and now your partner or your friends or whoever's listening can help you from a place that's real you see what I mean so take a look at those take a look at that list and what symptoms are are you're struggling with the most that are the highest and try to Go to that secondary layer and ask yourself, what could this really be telling me? Because once, trust me, it's worth it's worth getting some help or breaking your head over 
uh, digging into the deeper root of it because once you can communicate it from that heart place as you heard in that example you're going to open the world up for yourself you're going to find that there is a lot more support and and love and there's solutions and there's other people out there who have written about or who are out there helping with exactly what's bothering you instead of being wound up at the road rage level and never getting relief you know and when you drop into your heart and you can speak from there you're going to find your body calms down considerably and that will lower your blood pressure which might in turn help you digest better which might in turn take your headache away you know what I'm you know where I'm going so it's just one way to look at it I'm just going to bring us into like a couple of things that I believe are causes of anxiety in our society now from I'm not going to go uh, I can't go into the full range of it today but I wanted to just give a bit of a range of where where I want to go in this series and that is um, you know from something mundane or daily life all the way up to um, stuff that's really beyond our control which I will show you in these uh, in these TED talks that I found The first one, though, is just a quote um, that I think most of us can relate to, and that is, anxiety happens when you think you have to figure out everything all at once. Yeah. So how many of you can recognize that in yourself? How many of you are stressed out, getting ahead of yourself, trying to figure out your whole life or your whole next year now 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 you know this is very anxiety creating now what would be the antidote to that the antidote to that is the proverbial day by day living day by day and a lot of people have a hard time with that one being in the present moment how much do we hear that all the time How many of us know how to do? Not that many. But I think there's more of us that do and that are learning and willing. And sometimes, you know, you hear people talking about being in the present moment and it can sound sort of cheesy because we can't, it's, they make it sound as if you're meditating and every moment is Zen. Not every moment in life is Zen. Or you, you wouldn't be driving that car if you were Zen. You've got to be more vigilant than that. So being in the, you know, being in the moment means at least, at the very least, let's catch ourselves when we're trying to figure something out that doesn't need to be done today. You know, yes, you want to get all these things done. Yes, you want your life to progress. Yes, you want to get that promotion. Yes, you want to renovate your house. You want to, you can't, you can't do it all today. So let's at least admit that, okay? That might bring your blood pressure down a bit. And then let's get into the granular. Let's get into, well, what can I do today? What's realistic to get done today? And now that brings it into a more realistic framework again, brings you back to your your body and your feelings, okay? What are you feeling 
you're capable of today? Do you have high energy or low energy? Do you have the will today or don't you? You know, how much are you struggling to force yourself to push ahead? Or how easy is it today? Because life is always going to go in waves. You know, you can sit there for six weeks staring at your closet saying, Oh, damn it, I want to organize my closet. I said I would do it. It's already January 13th and I didn't organize my closet. If that's you, you know, or something similar. But the reality is that if you just don't feel motivated, you won't do it and you won't do it well. And if you start, um, it might be okay, but it's not the same as when you are patient, right? Patience. And you go, okay, so it's not perfectly at New Year, but within the month of January, at some point, I'm sure I will have the right mindset and this will all get done pretty quickly. And we all, I'm sure we can all relate that there's times when you were just in the mood and you did a task quite quickly that maybe you worried about for weeks, but it only ended up taking a couple hours when you were in the right mindset. So that's another way to counteract your anxiety is realizing that unless things are are urgent, you know, you can't do that when it's talking about feeding a dog, you know, like you're not in the mood. Okay, well, no, but when it's, when it's task related stuff, you know, when it's stuff that you can have leeway, then learn to let those things have a bit of a flexible timeline. Don't put this 911 feeling on everything, every task you've got to do. And trust that you'll have the energy and the mindset. You know, I'm terrible when it comes to cleaning up. I procrastinate. But I also know that if I don't have the energy, it's pointless. So, unless obviously things don't get to a certain threshold, but within reason, I give myself that leeway and there'll just be a day when, okay, laundry's now and here we go. And it gets done without this huge resistance to it. And then it's, it tends to have a better outcome. Let's take a look also at um, <clears throat> other things that cause anxiety. So one of them, as I've mentioned, is, you know, the proverbial thing that you're going to hear from a lot of spiritual teachers is not being in the moment, not being in the present moment. Um, And examples like I just gave you. There are some other things, though, that are worth considering that cause anxiety. Um, Things that we don't have a lot of control over. But first, I wanted to play you... Um, a perspective from um, somebody that I I really love his talks I think he's very wise and uh, he's interesting to listen to there there are two short segments about um, anxiety and letting go of controlling everything which is another big part of anxiety so I'm going to play you this by um, Alan Watts Um, But you know what? First, I'm going to play you a little more music. Let's listen to something called Evening Air. And then we're going to go into straight into 
Alan Watts. So then, when there is nobody left to resist the thing that we call change, which is simply another word for life, and when we dispel the illusion that we think our thoughts, instead of being just a stream of thoughts, and that we feel our feelings instead of being just feelings, it's like saying, you know, to feel the feelings is a redundant expression. It's like saying, actually, I hear sounds, for there are no sounds which are not heard. Hearing is sound. Seeing is sight. You don't see sights. Sightseeing is a ridiculous word. You could just say either sighting or seeing one or the other, but sightseeing is nonsense. So we keep the doubling our words, and this doubling is comparable to oscillation in an electrical system where there's too much feedback, where you remember in the old-fashioned telephone where the receiver was separate from the, from the mouthpiece, the transmitter. Uh, if you wanted to annoy someone who was abusing you on the telephone, you could make them listen to themselves by putting the receiver to the mouthpiece. But it actually didn't have that effect. It set up oscillation. It started to howl. It could be very, very hard on the ears. The same way, if you turn a television camera at the monitor, that is to say the television set in the studio, the whole thing will start to jiggle. The visual picture will be of oscillation, like that. And the same thing happens here. When you get to think that you think your thoughts, the you standing aside the thoughts has the same sort of consequence as seeing double. And then you think, can I observe the thinker thinking the thoughts? Or, I am worried, and I ought not to worry, but because I can't stop worrying, I'm worried because I worry. And you see where that could lead to. It leads to exactly the same situation that happens in the telephone, and that is what we call anxiety, trembling. But this discipline that we're talking about of Nagarjuna's abolishes anxiety because you discover that no amount of anxiety makes any difference to anything that's going to happen. In other words, from the first standpoint, the worst is going to happen. You're all going to die. And don't just put it off in the back of your mind and say, I'll consider that later. 
It's the most important thing to consider now because it enables you, it is the mercy of nature because it's going to enable you to let go and not defend yourself all the time. Waste all energies in self-defense. So, go and not defend yourself all the time. Waste all energies in self-defense. In giving away the control, you got it. You got the kind of control you wanted. That's to say, where you had a loving relationship to the world, but you didn't have to make up your mind what it should do. You let it decide. Now do you see that's how your bodies work? You don't have to make up your mind what your nerve cells are going to do. You've delegated all that authority. If the President of the United States has to lay awake at nights thinking what every official under his command is going to do, he can't be President. He's got to make an act of trust in all those subordinates to be responsible and carry on their things in just the same way as you make an act of trust to all your subordinate organs to carry on their functions without you having to tell them what to do. And this is the secret of what we will call organic power as distinct from political power. Lao Tzu puts it in this way, the great Tao flows everywhere, both to the left and to the right. It loves and nourishes all things but does not lord it over them. And when merits are accomplished, it lays no claim to them. The more, therefore, you relinquish power, trust others, the more powerful you become. But in such a way that instead of having to lie awake nights controlling everything, you do it beautifully by trusting the job to everyone else. And they carry it on for you. So you can go to sleep at night and trust your nervous system to wake you up in the morning. You can even tell it, I want to wake up at six o'clock and it'll wake you up just like an alarm clock. This seems a sort of paradox to say this, but the principle of unity, of coming to a sense of, of oneness with the whole of the rest of the universe is not to try to be, obtain power over the rest of the universe. That will only disturb it and uh, antagonize it and make it seem less one with you than ever. The way to become one with the universe is to trust it as another, as you would another, and say, let's see what you're going to do.
Welcome back to Mix to Mix Vibes Radio to the River Rain Show. We're discussing anxiety tonight. I hope the show is helping you and relaxing. talk now um, in the second part of the show about some other factors that weigh on our anxiety. Um, One one of them you'll find um, there is quite a bit said or written about, although still maybe not a mainstream idea just yet, like a household thing that we talk about. But it's gaining speed, uh, and that is people's awareness of how technology is impacting anxiety. And especially now that they want to bring in 5G, um, thereby increasing the frequency and uh, severity of electromagnetic fields and radio waves and cell phone waves um, that we're exposed to. And this does impact our bodies, our minds, our health, and uh, and our anxiety level. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, and I might do another another show just on that level. I did one uh, a while back about electromagnetic frequencies, but to to bring it up to speed with 5G and what, what people are saying and how we can protect ourselves from from this exposure. And the second thing that I believe is sort of beyond our control that affects our anxiety, I don't feel is said very often, and that is that we are bombarded. And we just go, oh well, it's just how the news is, it's just how life is now. But there is only so much information that people are capable of handling to hear or to process before there is a, a stress response. And um, some people will feel bombarded and they want to scream or lash out or react or be violent. Some people, when they're bombarded, overloaded, they shut down. They, they go numb, they isolate, they feel depressed. They don't want to talk to anybody. And so they start to use, you know, this pattern of shutting down or avoidance when it's extreme. Other people, when they're bombarded, try to step up and keep up and... The anxiety gets worse, but a lot of people can be very high-functioning, and they can actually keep up with it for quite a while, but there's there's also still a, a toll that it's taking on them, maybe socially or physiologically, from constantly running, sprinting, 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 keeping up, keeping ahead, keeping step. And some people, when they're bombarded by too much info, start to get forgetful, spaced out, 
Oh, you just told me your name, but I forgot already, right? So that impacts us. That impacts how people see us. It, um, it impacts us socially. If um, you feel so bombarded with stimulation, you know, never before have we been um, in a position like we are with technology now, with cell phones and Facebook and where you're supposed to be on guard for every little ping, every little uh, click. And not only just be alert and respond to them, but be on. Respond well, respond clearly like you remember everything everybody's posting at every moment simultaneously. It's just not possible. And yet there's sort of like an underlying underlying expectation that we should be doing that. And then we all have a reaction to that expectation. Some people don't care. You know, and some people are trying to keep up and run with it, and others are getting very overwhelmed. And so, the sheer volume and speed of that we are uh, subjected to information and stimulation has never been higher. And it started speeding up. Well, it's been steadily speeding up since the birth of television and radio and television, um, but. Specifically, it's really started to speed up in the 90s. Um, And when I did my year-end closing show and I was looking at news from even just 10 years ago to now, I saw an incredible watering down and speeding up of uh, the way stories and things are dealt with so that there's less and less and less room for any kind of reaction or emotion or response before it's on to the next thing. So there's a building wave of uh, bombardment and also detachment from feeling. And we can say, oh, that's just how it is and it's just cultural, and it is, but it has a price of creating more and more and more anxiety. So I'm going to play you now... um, a TED Talk by a guy named uh, Jeremy Johnson, and he's talking sort of about the wake-up call uh, of technology and how it impacts us. So let's take a listen to him. I think the talk is around 12 minutes, 12 to 15 minutes, something like that, and it's quite enlightening. So I'd like to begin by asking a few questions. Who knows if they have a wireless smart meter on their home? Okay. And who has their smartphone in their pocket right now? Great. And who's read the fine print in your owner's manual that says that the smartphone should never be within about an inch of the body? (laughs) 
So today, I'm going to speak to why we can no longer assume that our wireless technology is safe. Technology has allowed us many benefits. It's connected us to people and to places, and it's brought us convenience that few could have imagined just, just 10 years ago. It's also brought us tremendous economic benefits. If we can look at how technology has increased in our lives in just the last eight years, it started with the iPhone, and then tablet computing, ubiquitous Wi-Fi, the smart meter and the smart home, and wearable tech, and now the Internet of Things. If we could imagine how this would look, it would actually look like this. This is an artist's rendition of what Wi-Fi in our public spaces looks like. We could actually hear what microwave radiation sounds like with a device like this. So if anybody would like to hear what their smartphone or their smartwatch sounds like, come and see me at the end, and I can show you. But how does this affect our bodies? That's the question I want to ask, because this exponential rise in microwave radiation can have effects. And that's what scientists and medical doctors around the world are now saying, especially when it comes to children, because they're going to be affected by this their entire lives. But today, I also want to share a few solutions. I want to give everyone here things that you can do in your own lives in order to reduce this type of exposure. So I actually got into this topic about five years ago. Before then, I was a young technology enthusiast. I always used my smartphone and Wi-Fi. I've worked in Silicon Valley and have a master's degree in engineering. So if anyone had told me that wireless technology could have health effects, I would have thought they're crazy. So if you're thinking that right now, I can relate. But this all changed for me over the period of about one week. And I started to experience headaches, ringing in the ears, insomnia, and a fatigue and brain fog that I'd never experienced before. And I shared this with a, with a colleague at work. And she said, you know, the exact same thing happened to her husband when a wireless smart meter was installed in their home. So I went home that evening, and I checked downstairs, and sure enough, we had a bank of wireless smart meters installed right below our bedroom in San Francisco. So this started me on a, on a journey to learn as much about this topic as I possibly could. I now have a website about this, and I'm contacted by people all around the world every day who are experiencing the exact same things. It can be when they have a wireless smart meter installed, or a new Wi-Fi router, or even a cell tower placed across the street from their home. These are the common symptoms that people start to experience. This is actually from a published paper on the health effects of wireless smart meters. So just here in the Bay Area, I'm in touch with dozens of people who've had their lives changed by this medical doctors, high school principals, teachers and students, IT professionals, and even entrepreneurs 
These are people who had a normal life and then over a short period of time went to where they could no longer work, where they could no longer go to an office. Some of them actually have had to move out of their homes because they can't be in an environment which is normal now for most people. I've been in touch with people around the world who've become homeless because of this. There's many people that's actually happened to. And unfortunately, I know of people who've actually taken their lives because there's essentially no place they can go. And this is something that society does not yet recognize. My own life has been tremendously changed by this. Uh, after that first exposure to, to wireless smart meters, now I, I, I can no longer be in an environment with strong Wi-Fi for very long. So I can't go to my work the way I used to be able to. Most environments are now essentially toxic to me. So even finding a safe place to live has become very difficult. Imagine not being able to, to live in an apartment building where everyone has Wi-Fi, or to be able to live next to a cell tower. This is, what a, uh, this is actually a proposed cell tower here in Berkeley. The residents have actually stopped it for now, but most churches and most schools now have cell towers on them. And so it exposes the people around them and, of course, the students who go to those schools. This is a cell tower in San Francisco. That brown thimble on top of the telephone pole is a cell tower. And these are being placed every couple blocks. So you could have an amazing home, and then one week, a company can come and put a cell tower right outside your window. So this is something that's happening throughout the Bay Area, and it's going to be happening throughout the United States. So it makes it so that people like myself have a hard time finding a place to live, but it also is ratcheting up the exposure of the entire population. So you might be asking, perhaps some people are being injured by this, but if you're not feeling it, it's probably not that big of a deal. And I think that's a very common experience. But it's not as simple as saying that just a few unfortunate people are being affected by this. Because what the science shows is that we're all affected on some level, whether we can feel it or not. And the reason is, is because essentially our bodies are electric. Every cell in our body communicates using tiny electric signals. It's how our nervous system operates. So to think that we could put an exponential amount of microwave radiation into our environment and not feel effects is simply false. To illustrate this, I actually had many friends come to me when I started to experience this, and they would say, Jeremy, are you sure you aren't making this up in your head? And I thought this too my, myself at the beginning. But then a year or two later, they would come to me and they'd say, you won't believe it, but now I'm feeling pain in my arm when I use my cell phone or when I put it to the head or when a new Wi-Fi router is, is, is installed. So this is something where when people have a, more of an exposure, more people are being affected. And it's not just headaches and, and insomnia. It's much more serious things, such as infertility, DNA damage, and eventually cancer. 
This is what the research is starting to show. And you don't have to take my word for it. I encourage you to start researching this for yourselves. If you simply Google EMF research, this is a screenshot of what you'll find. The World Health Organization is the first link there. And they actually, in 2011, came out and said, this wireless technology is possibly carcinogenic. Now there's scientists around the world that say that it's most likely carcinogenic. The third link there is actually my own website. It's there because the last five years I've gathered research from around the world that shows that we now have enough evidence to at least take precaution when it comes to this technology. So isn't this regulated? And this is one of the most interesting things I've found. The Federal Communications Commission is who is supposed to be regulating wireless technology. But if you look at the regulations, they're almost 20 years old. So that means our most advanced technology is using science that's at least 20 years old. But not only that, they're based on a concept which is nearly 50 years old, which says if microwave radiation does not heat us, then it can't possibly hurt us. But there's now hundreds of studies that show that this is false. So how is it that we have a regulatory body that's not protecting the public? Well, like many issues, like many public health issues in our country, you end up having industry influencing the regulatory body. And that's what's happening here. So you have a revolving door between the wireless lobby and the FCC commission. So that's what's happening. Plus, the science is heavily influenced by industry funding. This is a study by Dr. Henry Lai. He looked at 326 studies based on the biological effects of cell phone radiation. He found that about half of the studies showed effects and half didn't. That's pretty normal for this type of research. But what he found that was interesting was that if you looked at who funded the studies, 70% of the independent studies showed effects, and only 32% of the industry-funded studies showed effects. So you see that there's an influence in money on this topic. Just like many other topics, tobacco is another one where essentially the industry-funded science that was going to show their products were safe. So that's the bad news. And now I want to share some good news. And that is, is that there are solutions for this. We are going to have to have the industry start to create safer products, but there are ways that we can both protect ourselves and move industry forward. So one of the primary things we can do is to move towards fiber optics. Because this is a way that we can make our homes safer, our businesses, and our schools. So fiber optics are safe, they're secure, and there's absolutely, uh, they're one of the fastest things we can use. Another way we can go is to, is to design products which are safer. So currently we have product designers and engineers working together, but we can bring in biophysicists and biologists to work together to create products that don't just emit right underneath the FCC regulations, but emit the least amount of any type of electromagnetic fields as possible. If smart meters had been designed to use either fiber optics or 
to emit just once or twice a day rather than the 10,000 times they do emit, then I wouldn't be standing here today and thousands upon thousands of people around the world would not have been injured by smart meters. So what are some things that all of us can do? This is one of the most important things because everyone wants to know how to essentially protect themselves and their families. So the first thing is to make sure we use our cell phones wisely. I mentioned that you don't want to put the cell phone within about an inch of the body. The industry's telling us this now. So make sure you use speakerphone, get an air tube headset, and when it's on the body, make sure that you put it on airplane mode, when it's either in the pocket or sometimes in the bra. And when it comes to kids, we don't want to uh, have kids use cell phones, but if they must, then please teach them how to use these wisely. We can wire our homes. This is, uh, most people don't need Wi-Fi in their home. So move towards Ethernet, move towards fiber optics, and if you must have Wi-Fi, make sure you turn it off at night. You can get a simple timer so you don't even have to think about it. When it comes to kids, we want to reduce their exposures as much as possible. So if they use an iPad, put all of the data on the iPad and then turn the Wi-Fi off. In schools, I simply do not think we need to have Wi-Fi in schools because we're filling those classrooms with microwave radiation. We can have amazing technology, but it can be wired. And this is where I think we're gonna have to go. When it comes to the smart meter and the smart home, I recommend you opt out. I've had wealthy, early adopting families contact me who went all in on the smart home, and they ended up getting sick within a few months. So this is something that affects families, and I, I just recommend that you don't go down this path because it's a technology we do not need. And one of the, the last things I wanna, um, solutions I wanna give today is to create a safe place to sleep because this is one of the most important things because this is when your body rejuvenates and it's when you can make sure that everything's off. So turn off all your wireless devices, unplug things. If you have a baby monitor, I actually recommend that you turn that off, especially at night. I just do not recommend those for kids. And if you do these things, I know many people who've ended up sleeping better, they have a uh, uh, much clearer during the day, and their fatigue is much less. So this is something which I recommend everyone can do. So in conclusion, I want to say that this is a problem that we can solve. It's, there's, there's tremendous people around the world working on this right now. And I believe we're coming to a tipping point where enough people realize that this is an important topic and that there are solutions. So I recommend that you share this with the people who are closest to you. Because if enough people wake up to this issue, then industry will start creating safe technology. And once they do that, our entire society can move towards a healthier future. Thank you.
very interesting talk by Jeremy Johnson about technology. I think we really have to heed what he's saying and figure out ways that you can minimize the exposure to electromagnetic fields, whether that's turning off the wireless devices while you sleep, whether that's putting things on airplane mode if you have them on your person. Sometimes it's hard to do because we get swept up feeling that we have to be on performing all the time, can't be away from our phone or our our little pings and likes and clicks, but we really have to think about it in terms of our health. So if you can think of ways that you can look around your place, where you live, where you work, and get a gauge how much are you exposed to with electromagnetic frequencies, if you're, especially if you're having any of these symptoms of anxiety. That's one great place to start is take a look if you're sleeping in a room that has wireless devices or um, you've got TV or anything electronic in your room at night. Take a look around the outside of your building. Are there any wires that are coming in from the outside into the walls of your bedroom? Take a look at smart meters if there's any in and around your apartment, your home, what wall they're on. There are things that you can do that are quite simple actually to counteract a lot of the, the um, transmission of uh, electromagnetic fields that you're getting. And I will do probably another show just on this type of stuff, how we can protect our homes and calm our bodies uh, in the coming 5G universe because it's about to become stronger once they implement that. Another thing that you can do is obvious, but really it's necessary, and that is to increase your exposure to nature as a counterbalance. And that can mean anything from um, going outside more often, being in the trees. If you can, go outside and take your shoes and socks off. Get the rubber barrier between you and the, and the earth of your running shoes, your boots. Take it away and feel your bare feet on the earth, even if it's a bit cold. Because contact with the earth helps release the charge. Of the, electro, of the electromagnetic fields from your body and releases it into the earth. Plus you're absorbing the negative ions of the earth. Any time you can go be near water as well. If you have any anxiety issues and it's hard for you to get away from some of this Wi-Fi environment that we're talking about, try to find yourself a body of water and go sit near it as often as you can. Um, it's going to calm your system and um, as your system calms down from the charge then you'll start to heal on many many levels so that's one those are just a couple of suggestions so I hope you can see this evening in conclusion I hope you can really see that this anxiety epidemic 
is partly created by how we cope with things, but it's also created by things that we really don't have much control over. And the next parts of the series are going to get more in-depth about how to deal with situations that we can't control, what kind of practices and mindset help us overcome situations like that, And the other part of it is to recognize that there's environmental factors that are beyond your control that are affecting you as well. And we're going to talk more in in, in other shows how those those many ways and how we can counterbalance it. We've, We've touched on some important ones tonight that you can already start to implement and I'm sure you'll see a difference. But I really hope you stick with me for the rest of this series. Um... And I'm going to break it down into these different parts that we mentioned, these physiological effects of anxiety, the psychological components, the social components, and the spiritual components. And um, we're going to help you through and to find a new way of being in this modern world that we're all in. So... I leave you on that note. If you want to contact me ever to suggest something for the show, to ask a question, or if you would like a session with me, you can reach me at river-rain.com. You can hear these podcasts on my website, or you can hear them on Anchor. Uh, that's the app that I'm now using to record the shows. So anchor.com. And if you want to reach me again on Facebook, it's Clairvoyant Medium Catherine Allen on Facebook. I wish you a wonderful evening. I'm going to leave you off with one more song. This is called Last Leaf.
Ever.